Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I was joking with our video audience a couple of minutes ago. I have a pretty modest goal for today's show. You know, the last two weeks, we have clocked in at about an hour and 15 minutes. Today, my goal is to have the show kind of in quicker than that, shorter than that. Not to say that I don't love uh, being here and doing the show, and hopefully you're enjoying it. Uh, but we want to try to keep uh, keep things a little shorter than that. We're going to see today if we're able to get that done. We obviously have two great guests. It's former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm. He's coming up today. That's always a lot of fun to have him on. He'll have some interesting things to say about not just what's going to happen with the presumed starter quarterback in uh, Carson Beck, but also what could happen beyond that as Brock Vandegrift. And I tell you, I've heard some good things about Vandegrift this summer. I, I really have. And Gunnar Stockton, I've also heard some really good things about him this summer there as well. What guys like that can do to close what is a little bit of a perceived gap between themselves and the for now presumed starter Carson Beck. Jake Fromm's got some interesting stuff on that. We'll hear from that before hear from Jake on that before we're done. Also, it's our Dog Nation recruiting insider Jeff Sintel on the show today there, too. A little bit of movement as of late for a Georgia target, and maybe not great news on that front. We'll kind of see where all of that stands here coming up in a couple of minutes, too. So all of that on the way, and obviously some very serious football stuff here there as well. Georgia's got a scrimmage on Saturday. We're going to cover that. But if you don't mind, let me begin right here, and this is sort of just for fun, but I do think there's a takeaway to be had if you are a Georgia fan. Can you just revel with me for a moment in the current state of the rivalry known as the world's largest outdoor cocktail party? And let's just be honest here, because I think to understand where we are, appreciating where we have been and kind of understanding where we have been makes appreciating where we are uh, obviously so much easier and more enjoyable to do. Because there was a time in which Florida was a tormentor to Georgia. There was a time in which the Gators, the lousy, stinking Gators, as we call them here, were more than just an arch nemesis. They were absolutely the the barrier that in a lot of ways stood in the way of Georgia being the kind of program we thought it could be. And, you know, we've made villains out of Steve Spurrier, and then we made a villain out of Urban Meyer, and frankly, with good reason. But all of that feels like the distant past. Not only has Georgia climbed and climbed and climbed and climbed since that ancient era in which guys like Meyer before that Spurrier were with the Gators, but while Georgia has been ascending, there has been a spiral of descent for Florida. Florida all of a sudden would appear to be a program that is a just a absolute, you know, dumpster fire in comparison to what it would have been in those glory years of, of years ago so much so that florida fans have almost seemingly forgotten what the program used to stand for what the program used to be they've sort of forgotten kind of you know the, the the level of success they once aspired to and now when you listen to florida fans i talked about having a modest goal a little earlier it seems like florida fans themselves have adopted far more eager expectations for the season and far more eager expectations in particular for uh, gators coach billy napier and this is the kind of thing they sort of get some laughed at now i want to give you an example of this Paul Feinbaum, who probably is the loudest voice of anyone kind of down here in this SEC country, he was on a podcast with the ESPN host Matt Barry. Have you heard of Barry? Do you know who that is? Well, Feinbaum is on with Barry, and they're talking about the lousy, stinking Gators. And Feinbaum was laughing about the fact that now for Billy Napier, the soon-to-be second-year coach for Florida, all of a sudden Florida fans sort of treat him as if he can just sort of walk and chew gum at the same time. He somehow achieved some sort of level of success. They've set the bar so low for their second-year coach, Billy Napier, that Paul uh, Feinbaum, who's obviously been around now for decades and decades and decades, that Feinbaum says all he can sort of do is laugh about that. And anytime there's a chance to laugh at those lousy, stinking gators, of course we're going to do it. So let's let, use the words of Paul Feinbaum on with ESPN's Matt Barry as an opportunity to do just that just how meager and pathetic the Florida expectations have become just for fun let's hear a fine bomb on that there are some people in Gainesville that that believe they can go out there and steal that game I'm not one of them uh, I would like to know who the quarterback is going to be for Utah but it, it, assuming they lose that game their schedule is is problematic uh, they have Kentucky and Tennessee uh, in the first few weeks of the year. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's entirely possible they could have three losses even before they get to Georgia and Florida State and, and, the, and the garden variety SEC 
uh, East games. Uh, so yeah, and and it, it, I mean the, the one thing that's going for Napier, and this this was I'm sure Dan Mullen is finding this to be absolutely hilarious. The fans are saying, "Well, give him time." Uh, you know, he's. <laughs> He, I mean, they act like he inherited uh, a program that had been shut down for 25 years. I mean, Dan, Dan Mullen, uh, I mean, the year before, I think he, he was let go. He, I think he was in the SEC championship. He, he was always in New Year's Six games. Like, what? Yeah, no. So, Feinbaum, the that game he references, the Utah game, which, by the way, is August 31st. We're not that far away from, you know, if you want to call Florida major college football at this point in time, we're not that far away from Florida and, and Utah playing and kind of major college football being here. But the point that Feinbaum is obviously making there is, hey, you lose that game, all of a sudden Florida could be looking at a whole bunch of losses before the season really even gets going. And Gators fans who have just lost all self-respect are all of a sudden now like, well, listen, you just got to give him time, give him a chance. And, you know, listen, you know, I don't I often take Dan Mullen's side on anything, but 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 Feinbaum's kind of right here. Of If you're Dan Mullen, what do you think about that? You know, you know, Mullen, who had a lot of big talk and obviously, you know, generate a lot of excitement around the Gators program. They were judging him on championships. Are you keeping pace with Georgia? All of a sudden now, all Billy Napier is going to do is find a way to make a bowl game and not get embarrassed by a team like Oregon State. And it seems like now Gators fans are sort of fine with that. I mean, it is really a story of just how far Florida has fallen. All of a sudden now Gators fans seem willing to tolerate and accept any level of you know, I don't even want to say success because success is the wrong word. If Gators fans can sort of avoid the most embarrassing failure possible, that seems to be sort of enough for them on that. And fine bond with Matt Barry went on to talk about that a little bit more. Let me let you hear from him once again. The standard in Florida used to be win it all. That's it. Uh, so, so, so Napier has the advantage of just dumb down expectations. But he can't waste this. But I, I mean, he has a he has a half a mulligan this season. I don't know how that carries if you if you uh, hook your your tee shot. Um, but yeah, you know, if he can he can beat somebody, you know. And then he's got Florida State, of course, at the end of the year, which is a you know, who knows. Um, but if if he if he wins seven or eight games, he's going to he's going to survive. He's got one of the top quarterbacks coming in. But a yeah. lot of the, a lot of the criticism of him has just been sloppiness uh, the way he handled recruiting early on but you know now he has matt tremendous momentum on the recruiting trail which which would you could say about 19 other schools at, at the moment yeah the one thing florida fans hanging their hat on hey look at our recruiting right now well guess what as fine bomb says there are a lot of programs that feel okay about their recruiting they feel like they're doing some good things in recruiting but what are you doing on the field fine bomb says billy napier sloppy sloppy start to his florida tenure the phrase that kind of sort of cuts through the clutter more than anything else dumbed down expectations anytime you use anytime you use the word you know dumb and florida fans in the same sentence i'm sort of here for it dumbed down expectations for florida i find that pretty enjoyable but keep that in your mind sort of put a pin there on that and let's now contrast what Feinbaum is saying about uh, Florida, sloppy organization, dumbed down expectations by fans, willing to accept almost anything because of how humiliated they've been over the course of the last couple of years. Now contrast that with Georgia and what's being said about Georgia right now. I saw where Pro Football Focus was kind of putting out their, you know, sort of expectations for teams for the upcoming season. And they laid it out there in no uncertain terms, but what they see about Georgia here right now. And the purpose of all of this, before we kind of get serious and sort of drill down on some more of the football-related topics, the purpose of all of this is just to revel in it. Just enjoy this. Y'all, we've been waiting for a long time to have this kind of thing being said about those lousy, stinking gators, dumbed down, sloppy, whatever else. And we've been waiting for a long time to hear this about Georgia. Now, pro football folks, the analytics folks over there, sort of math nerd type stuff, that might not necessarily be your t- your cup of tea, but you'll love this phrasing here. Let me read this to you on the screen. This is pro football focus recent evaluation of Georgia. If you try to find a weakness in Georgia, you'll fail. The Bulldogs were the only team to place inside the top 10 of each of my position rankings. This is the uh, pro football focus writer including quarterback room, running back unit, receiving core, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker unit, and secondary. Now he goes on to say, even after having 10 players selected in the 2023 NFL draft, which tied for the most of any school, this is still the most loaded roster in the country. It's the reason why Georgia is the favorite to become the second school ever to three-peat as a national champion. That's obviously from Pro Football Focus, and obviously our way of saying three-peat around here is go for three and 23. So there you have it. 
Pro Football Focus says, hey, they lost 10 draft picks from the most recent team, 15 draft picks off the team before that, yet they still have, you know, top 10 unit across the board in every single position, and they are still the odds-on favorite, 23rd straight national championship. By comparison, Florida fans just trying to make a bowl. Dumbed down expectations. If Billy Napier shows up to the game on time, it seems like Florida fans are sort of okay with that here right now. It is a beautiful time to be a dog fan, not just because of what you get to celebrate, but who it is you get to laugh at. And Georgia fans have admittedly been waiting a long time uh, for many, many years to uh, laugh at Florida. But the last few years have brought plenty of that. And if you believe Paul Feinbaum, the idea of mocking Florida for their ineptitude, that is not going to go out of style anytime soon. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Kroger, and we are happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, across all platforms. We start on 945dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. That's our own platform for a little special segment we call our First and 15. We'd love to have you join us there for that. Then after that, everywhere you watch video, you can watch Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. We're glad you do. Our friends on the radio, 960 The Ref, podcast, of course, across all platforms there as well. We're just happy that you're a part of our show. And as I mentioned, so, so thankful to our friends at Kroger who make it all possible. And one of the things you've heard me talk about before is Kroger Boost. What a great membership opportunity this creates from our friends at Kroger. And you can actually try it now for free for 30 days. You can save up to $1,000 a year as well when you get twice the fuel points and free grocery delivery. So great incentives for you to try Kroger Boost for free for 30 days and then let it stick around, be a big part of your life. Getting more money back, getting more time. Those are the things that Kroger can provide you. So please go online, Kroger.com slash boost to take advantage. That is Kroger.com slash boost to take advantage. I also want to tell you this here. We've got an exciting thing going to go down with Dog Nation. Uh, what are you looking at? Uh, you know, Two uh, Thursdays from now, uh, going to be really, really exciting. A big event taking place that we want you to be a part of. And I want to give you all the full details in this, and I promise we'll be giving you a whole lot more on this there as well. But go ahead and set your calendar for Thursday, August 31st at the Marlowe's in Brookhaven. I know there was a little bit of a maybe a, a different announcement yesterday, but I want to make sure you're fully aware of this. Marlowe's in Brookhaven coming up on Thursday, August 31st. You've been hearing us talk a lot about Marlowe's Tavern and their happy hour uh, celebrations as of late. Marlowe's kind of your home for happy hour here in the Atlanta area. Well, we're going to do our brand new show, which is called Dog Nation Happy Hour. It's obviously presented by Marlowe's Tab. We're going to do our brand new show, Dog Nation Happy Hour, two Thursdays from now, August 31st, at the Marlowe's in Brookhaven. We love the patio there at the Marlowe's in Brookhaven. That's always a, a ton of fun. It's just right down the road from where we are here, there as well. And so here's how it's going to all go down. On Thursday, August 31st, Dog Nation is going to be live for Dog Nation Happy Hour at the Marlowe's in Brookhaven. We're going to get there at 5. We're going to enjoy some happy hour festivities. And then at 6 p.m., we're going to do a live broadcast, live version of the Dog Nation Happy Hour. A little earlier than our normal happy hour broadcast, but we're doing it earlier to sort of take advantage of the true happy hour vibes there at Marlowe's. So we'll see you there to kind of hang out at 5 and then live broadcast there at 6. Going to be an incredible time. We'd love to have you all be there and be a part of what we're going to do there. We'll tell you more about that, but go ahead and set your calendars for a live Dog Nation broadcast Thursday, August 31st, enjoying happy hour at the Marlowe's in Brookhaven. We will see you there. Obviously, we'll tell you more about that in the days to come. We're also going to talk some UGA recruiting here in a moment. That's going to be great. Jeff Sintel here today, and as I mentioned, before we're done, we'll hear from former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm today there too. So a lot of ground to cover on all of that. But prior to any of that, let's get ready to go around the doghouse today, poured by our friends at the Finish Long Drink. And one of the things I want to do here for a moment is catch up a little bit on what some of the Georgia players have been saying this week as a lead in and a precursor to the second summer scrimmage for Georgia on Saturday inside Sanford Stadium. Obviously really important. We'll be ear to the ground on all the rumors that kind of come out of that. Probably couple of less of those this time than a week ago because you know just more people see the mcgill scrimmage they'll probably see this one but there'll be some people in there and they are typically you know more than happy to kind of share some of what they saw and we'll kind of try to make sense of how these rumors sort of match and fit together with everything else we're kind of hearing that's kind of the fun thing about being a georgia fan here right now but a couple of the players who expect to factor prominently in that scrimmage starting with tight end oscar delp i thought delp had some really good things to say the other day when he had his turn with the media and I frankly, I've told you this before, 
I believe that Delp can also be a really important part of this Georgia offense here this season there as well. I still think that George is going to have two tight ends on the field uh, plenty. And I think that Delp, while a lot of people say, well, he's not as big as Darnell Washington, not as big a force in the running game, maybe as Washington proved to be last year in his final season at UGA. And the, the, the words that I've used in response to that are Delp does not have to be as good as Darnell Washington. That's not a stated goal for him. The goal for Delp is to simply be better than who it is that he lines up across from, that guy that he's supposed to block, that guy that he's supposed to run a route against. Whatever Delp's doing on any play, Delp doesn't have to be as good or better than Darnell Washington. Delp's just trying to be better than whoever it is that he's competing with, and we believe that Oscar can be more than equal to that task. In fact, we think this year, kind of one year removed from being a very touted recruit, we think a year like this can be one of those times in which Oscar Delp kind of reminds folks just how touted of a recruit he once was and you'll remember this because I remember I remember talking to Oscar during his senior year when he was committing to Georgia out of West Forsyth High School and by the way West Forsyth very impressive win last night on Peachtree TV uh very impressive uh, showing there from the Wolverines there in that spot but the point is when Delb was making his choice to come to UGA choosing the dogs over South Carolina you remember how hard Shane Beamer worked to try to get uh you know Delp uh, on his roster ultimately Delp chose to stay home and uh go to George instead much to the chagrin of many of the Gamecocks fans but at the time one of the things that Oscar talked about was he wanted to come here because he had seen what Brock Bowers had done basically saying okay now I have a proof of concept for how I can be used in an offense like this and you can understand why that was and for a lot of Georgia fans such as myself and perhaps you too we were really encouraged by the fact that all of a sudden tight ends didn't have to be told of if you come here we'll use you hey this is how bad we need you we want to use the tight end but we don't have a guy like you so we can't do that until we get you that's the old school you know kind of recruiting pitch that maybe perhaps Georgia used to use but once Brock Bowers broke through in such a huge way all of a sudden that kind of stuff didn't need to be said all of a sudden now of hey if you think of yourself as an athletic pass catching tight end then come do what Brock Bowers is doing and presumably based on Delp's own words that was a very effective pitch but all of a sudden now Delp doesn't just look at Bowers as a kind of proof of concept thing to aspire to he looks at him as a teammate they are likely to be playing alongside each other at least on the same field together uh plenty here this upcoming season and it's interesting to hear the way in which Delp and the way he talks about Bowers how that's kind of evolved from being I want to be the next Brock Bowers to now I want to be the best version of myself. I think this is actually really cool from Oscar Delp. Take a listen to him on that topic here this week. He's great. I love playing with Brock and everything. I mean, I'm just trying to be the next Oscar Delp. Uh, I mean, obviously everyone wants to be like Brock Bowers and make the plays that he makes and they're crazy. And it's great to have a guy like that in the room that I, that can kind of mentor me and also just be one of my buddies that I just hang out with. But uh, I mean, I'm just trying to focus on my game and just be, be the next Oscar Delp really like that because i think what oscar delp is is also a pretty interesting player in his own right as i said before it brings more size to the table i think than people realize i think sometimes these former elite recruits after they've been on campus for a year there's a degree to which they kind of become out of sight out of mind sometimes i think that's kind of a weird thing uh that that, that sometimes takes place but delp is not a player to be forgotten about and this year i believe he could play enough and could play well enough when he is playing that he certainly makes sure everybody remembers his name and knows all about him. I'm pretty high on Delp here for this year. I thought he had a uh, really good media session here earlier this week. Another guy who I thought was fantastic, this goes back to last night, it's linebacker Jalen Walker. Now, I'll admit, at times maybe the offseason, I haven't quite given Walker as much credit as I possibly should for what he's capable of doing this season. We obviously know Georgia's got two great presumed starters and inside linebacker Jamon Dumas Johnson a candidate for all the national awards uh Smile Mondin who I believe last year was one of the more underrated players in the entire country but we also know for now Mondin's not fully healthy and Mondin's absence until he comes back opens the door for somebody else and one of the guys who we think obviously you know you don't want to say benefit from an injury but one of the guys who could be ready to benefit from the availability of some playing time could be Walker and what we know as well is is that Walker is also on his way. I believe Malachi Starks a lot like this too. But on his way to eventually being one of the most valuable spokesmen this program has. I think Walker proved that to you yesterday. The question was about the idea of go for three in 23 and winning a third straight national championship. And I thought the wisdom with which Walker approached this answer was really pretty uncommon. Now listen, you could 
to a certain extent sort of do a paint by numbers thing on how this question is going to be answered obviously players aren't always going to sort of fully embrace that as a premise the concept the way in which media types might want to sort of push that and yet what walker actually said while you know kind of you know maybe not fully embracing the premise of the history that georgia can make was in its own right really really wise and i think really interesting in terms of how georgia can not just try to avoid the so-called three-peat talk but actually embrace it as a part of what the legacy of this team can be i think this is really good from jalen walker take a listen to this it would be a great historical feat i know that it hasn't happened in, in a long time uh, and, and having that opportunity before us uh, we won't take it for granted you know, it starts for game one it starts for tomorrow our goal here is to make history every day making history every day is what we plan on so that history will, we just made at today's practice. And then tomorrow we'll do history, making history at the next meeting, history at the next team event. <clears throat> you know, overall, it's just an opportunity for us to seize. He says at the end there, it's just an opportunity overall for us to seize. And I like that. I mean, obviously the thing you pull out from that is, oh, we get a chance to make history every single day, which is kind of one of those cool things that sort of looks good on a bumper sticker or a t-shirt or a poster on the wall. But actually what Walker kind of says around that I almost find more interesting that sort of hides in plain sight. He doesn't shy away from saying, yeah, you know what? It would be great to go out there and make history. And y'all, this is the thing to understand about this upcoming season. If Georgia wins the national championship again, it's the greatest run in college football history. No team's ever had a run of dominance over a three-year period like what Georgia would have been able to put together. Certainly not any kind of modern time, poll era, era that matters, TV era. Uh, no one's done anything like this before. So, I don't know that's necessarily a topic to be avoided at all times or at all costs because ultimately I think there's a level of motivation to be found from you want to etch your name in the record books and as we talked about a lot for the 2022 team you want to do something that makes you different than 2021 last year that group said we want to win the SEC because that's something the 2021 national championship team wasn't able to do well now for the 2023 team you want to kind of etch a level of history for yourself that's different than the previous two years and then go out there and do something that not only no other Georgia team before you has done, but no other team has ever done. It is a special place in history. You're on the top shelf looking down on everybody else. And as I said, I don't know that's a kind of a level of rat poison to be avoided, to use an overused phrase. I think it may be a challenge to embrace. And I believe that Jalen Walker is kind of showing you the blueprint there for how it can be embraced. And I think that's really interesting. As we said before, scrimmage tomorrow there as well. So stay close to Dog Nation. We'll hear from Kirby Smart. We'll follow the rumor mill. Kirby's pretty unhappy after last week's scrimmage, which you sort of expect him to be. Is there a change in his language after tomorrow's scrimmage? We will be close by to find out. And that is Around the Doghouse. And it's poured today by our friends at the Finish Long Drinking. Y'all. Many of you, as we talk about kind of the end of summer and the start of the football season, you're trying to get the last little bit you can out of this great summer season and obviously one of the great ways to do that here in the peach state is with the peach flavored version of the finished long drink now if you've tried long drink drink cranberry or the traditional with the grapefruit flavor or the long drink strong or the long drink zero with no carbs no sugar you know the quality of the finished long drink and how great it tastes in this brand new relatively new anyway category of you know uh you know ready to drink cocktails right the, the kind that comes right there in the can you like mixed drinks this is a mixed drink in the can you know how great the finished long drink is but if you haven't tried the finish long drink peach flavored version yet yeah, i don't believe you've uh, had maybe perhaps the best what you may ultimately decide is the best version of the finish long drink so i'm really excited about this everyone that i've heard from that's had a chance to try this they've all raved about it so you want to make the most of the summer you still have before the fall gets here or you want to get stocked up for the best tailgate experience over the course of the next couple of months we believe the peach flavored version of the finish long drink is the best way to do that I think the can looks amazing there as well. If you're watching on video, I always like the uh, images of the cans we have for you because you see the light shining on them, that glistening uh, water, you know, condensation just sort of dripping down the sides. You know, that aluminum is just so nice and cold. Uh, feels great to hold on to, even better to drink. 
So try yourself some finished long drink, any of the varieties, but especially maybe for right now, that peach flavored version of the finished long drink. I hope you'll try that and enjoy that today and go to the longdrink.com, put in your zip code and you can find out where you can pick up some today. I truly believe you're going to enjoy it. Something else that I believe that you're going to enjoy is former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm. Before we're done today, we'll get a chance to talk to Jake. Jake's going to give you some insight into the quarterback situation, including as the competition rolls on, we presume eventually Beck is in line to potentially be the starter. He's at least the leader right now. But what about a Brock Vandergriff? What, what about a Gunnar Stockton? What can they do to close the gap? Jake Fromm's got some interesting stuff on that. We'll address that before the show is done. But for now, on everything as it relates to Georgia recruiting, including some, some commits in a pretty big spotlight here this weekend on the field to begin their senior seasons, and perhaps some movement away from UGA for a dog's target. Is that true? We'll cover all of that with Jeff Sintel. It is him and you here a part of Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger Today. And we're glad to have you all. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Great to have Jeff Sintel talking some UGA recruiting here today. And Jeff, there is obviously a lot going on, and it starts with action here this weekend. I know you and I both are incredibly excited. I'm going to chance to broadcast on Peachtree TV day three of our uh, Corky Kell Dave Hunter Classic tonight. We're going to chance to see Georgia wide receiver commits, Kobe White on TV. I'm looking forward to that. I'm also going to chance to broadcast Daniel Calhoun, the Georgia offensive tackle commit from inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We'll do his game tomorrow. Uh, Walton and Grayson I think it's going to be an amazing showdown I believe you're going to see Dylan Riola tonight there as well and the sort of Georgia debut officially speaking in a real game for him big national showdown there uh, at Buford Uh, it is fun to have all these Georgia commits playing these big games here this weekend hey Brandon you're right and um, for me and for both of us I mean I mean football season has felt like it's been here for a while but like man all these big games the preamble of all the practices and the scrimmages, at least for me. And, you know, I kind of feel like I'm starting the season off with the tomahawk ribeye or something like that, man. No appetizer. Just go straight to number six, St. Francis Academy. That's the home of Jamon Dumas Johnson, the Sterling Buckets Award uh, nominee for Georgia right now. And uh, and then you've got number 10, Buford, with uh, Dylan Raiola. You said it pretty well there. It's his debut. It's his first real uh, time for some action as a, as a uh, Georgia commit and as a Buford Wolves. And, you know, you're going to find out a lot tonight because, I mean, that St. Francis team is historically very strong. They go on the road a lot. They probably got six or seven guys on the roster with a Georgia offer. Probably another three more, that three or four more that will get in a Georgia offer. And a lot of high school All-Americans on the, on the field tonight. And you get to see go time. You get to see show time for uh, first act of Dylan Riola's uh, – playing career that will take place in the state of Georgia. I think the other thing we're going to learn about Riola pretty soon there as well is how he handles pressure. I mean, I think this is a, I think this is a challenging game for Buford tonight. I'm not saying I believe they'll lose, but I do believe they'll be challenged. And this is a Buford team that a year ago was trying to be, you know, the first ever team, I guess, to win a state championship in every classification. They moved up to the highest classification last year. And obviously they fell a little short of that. They lost to Walton in the second round of the playoffs. So, you know, Riola inherits some pressure just by becoming the Buford quarterback, where there's a big spotlight on this Wolves team. They're a top 10, you know, national team. But at the same time, I believe the 7A classification in Georgia is perhaps deeper than it's been. I mentioned Walton. I think they're really good. You know, Carrollton with Julian Lewis. I want to talk to you more about uh, their big showdown game coming up in a couple of minutes. I think they were also very good. They were state finalists a year ago. I think our buddy Terrence Edwards, his Milton squad, I think they're going to be a part of this conversation there as well. The point is, uh, even for the people who don't follow high school football perhaps as closely as we do, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how Riola kind of exists and perhaps thrives. I believe he will thrive around a Buford team that just because of their national attention, because the level of recruits you know they have, and because of the fact they did not win the state championship in the highest classification a year ago, this is a Buford team that plays with a good bit of pressure this year. Yeah, a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. But I'd rather have you know what's the Kirbyism here? Pressure is a privilege, I guess. Well, they have the the privilege of being having the pressure of all these high stakes but Brandon you need all fingers you need you need both hands and maybe a couple fingers couple of toes to add up all the guys on the Buford roster that have a Georgia offer now that's a lot of uh that's a lot of ammunition that uh 
Dylan Riley will have on his side, uh, on the Buford side tonight. And, I mean, I think it's going to be a classic game. I think one of these two teams that wins tonight, it sets the stage for them to take a, take a good run at the mythical national championship. And while you were, while you were rattling off names in the state of Georgia, the state of Georgia championship is going to be quite hard in that bracket. You got, you got those teams in South Georgia. Can't forget those. Can't forget. Falkland County and the Packers can't forget Nycar on that team, Landon Thomas on that team. By all means. Um, lots, lots of great guys, lots of great stuff in the state of Georgia. And I'll tell you this, um, I'll be very curious to hear Dylan Riola's answer after he goes through 15 games of Georgia high school football about whether football here in the South, football here in the state of Georgia is really at a different level than what either he was expecting. And one more thing before we change the subject, going back to Sokovi White tonight, as I said before, I'm looking forward to broadcasting his game against Rome on Petrie TV. And I believe that Sokovi is a receiver commit that I don't think has probably gotten the full attention that he deserves. You know, I think in a lot of ways, you know, I think Sokovi's put on some weight here this offseason. I think he is going to remind folks a lot of Kyrus Jackson here, and that's a very big compliment. You know, Kyrus made a huge catch for Georgia in that Peach Bowl game uh, last year, but he was also an incredible leader the entire time he was at UGA, a very important part of the program for the entirety of the time that he was here. And I think, you know, the, the kind of baton that, that Kyrus Jackson once held, I believe a guy like Sokovi White could take that baton. I believe that Georgia fans, if they don't fully know about Sokovi White yet, this 2024 wide receiver commit, I believe they're going to learn a lot more about him. I think we'll have a chance to showcase a lot of that on TV tonight on Peachtree TV. And I'm really excited for UGA fans to get more acquainted here because I just think he has the potential to be a, a pretty special part of a locker room moving forward. I think he has um... – and this is a name that I don't know, Brandon. It, it comes up a lot when Georgia folks are talking about Georgia greats and player parallels, which is a better way to do it than just saying he reminds me of this guy. Um, the slash aspect of Sokovi Hollywood White you got a nickname, Brandon. You know, if you got a nickname in high school, you got to be a great football player already. Damn. But uh, the slash aspect of his game takes me back to Heinz Ward a little bit because he's very physical. One of the first things when you you start looking at him and you look for the evaluation is like, yeah, you can look at him and project him to do Vlad McConkey type things at Georgia, but maybe a little bit differently, maybe with a lot of more of that toughness and run blocking acumen that Kiaris Jackson had. Remember Kiaris was a state shot put champion in the state of Georgia. And then there's the, there's not more than just freelancing or flirting. You know, he'll outright play a lot of DB tonight, Brandon. He'll outright, you know, he could be a slot or a nickel corner or a star type if he wanted to be. Extremely physical, but also when the lights come on, he finds a better level to his game. That's what I always look for in these matchups. That's what I always look for with these guys. What can you do? I call it Tupac time. When it's all eyes are on you, all eyes on me, how do you raise the level of their game? And Sokovi, you know, so many great stories I've learned about Sokovi. He's the guy that will dress up like Woody from Toy Story at school, costume days, he'll dress up like dinosaurs, and yet he'll be the most physical football player on the field. And, you know, a great story from this spring and this summer was his teammates were like, how fast are you, Sokovi? you really that fast? I don't know how fast you are. You're not a 4-5 guy. And then they have off-season testing at Cass, and he drops a 4-4-6 or 4-4-5 or something like that to show everyone just how fast he is. Steve Gates, former Georgia Bulldog coach, he tells me a lot. He said, you know what? Kobe is not yet as good as he can be because he's out on the field. This is what Todd Munkin told him. Kobe is as fast as he needs to be. When he needs to make a play, all of a sudden he's got another gear. And I think that's what the great ones are. I think Kobe will show up at Georgia a little undersized. He will be a worker. He will do everything it takes to get on the field. And I think he could be a very, very interesting and very much a fan favorite during his time in Athens. Uh, speaking of you know quarterbacks, big games in George. I also ask you about Julian Lewis here, the 2026 uh, quarterback. They've got a showcase game tonight. Carrollton does going to Fairburn to take on 6A defending state champion Langston Hughes and Aaron Nolan, the quarterback commit to Ohio State. Here, this is a fun game. I don't believe there's any like TV or anything like that for that tonight, but it's still a fun game. I think they're expecting a bunch of celebrities in the uh, building for uh, Hughes and Carrollton tonight. Just kind of a big vibe around that game a little bit. What's the latest on Lewis's recruit? Great, man. I think he's actually, you know, Brandon, it kind of feels to me like there are about six or seven schools that have a chance or even publicly presented as having a chance. I think that number might be a little bit smaller than that, like two or three schools. Um, Juju is a special football player. I mean, 
the best thing you can say about the type of momentum that's going behind his career heading into his sophomore year in the state of Georgia is that um, ESPN named him the number one overall prospect in the country. Ahead of luminaries like Dylan Riola, Ellis Robinson IV, other tremendous players, senior players, junior players, all the sophomores, they named him the number one overall football prospect in the country. And it takes me back to a time when I learned that you know, Juju was offered when he was in the eighth grade by Florida coach Dan Mullen. And you say what you want about Dan Mullen, but I think he can pick a quarterback. I think he knows uh, what to look for. And he found and he was alerted and he got a chance to evaluate Julian Juju Lewis at a very early age. Um, I tell you what, Brandon, I know you like to get into sports entertainment a little bit. I tell you that game right there, if there was such a thing as a mythical line for that game, I would definitely take the over because I think no Air Nolan – uh, he's going to get his team in the end zone about four or five times, and I think Julian Juju Lewis will do the same. That could be one of those 42 to 35 type barn burners to open uh, this season in the state of Georgia. And that, it might be something to look back on this on Monday, Brandon, and say which game was actually the best game in the state of Georgia this weekend because there's a lot of places you can go. Who do you think the top schools are for Lewis right now? I would probably say South. I would play Southern Cal. I would put them in there. I would put. Alabama in there, up at LSU in there a little bit, although there's been some movement among the top three or four, and I guess I would put the dogs in there as well, but this is one of those things, Brandon, where you see these headlines about how NIL numbers go out to Wazoo, and it looks like a Vegas slot machine or something like that. If You just got to just apply some logic here, and if you hear the published reports of this quarterback getting this, and this quarterback getting that, and this quarterback getting this, I think Julian Juju Lewis is a player that um, should that family be interested in the NIL game, that they will have a lot of worthy tutors for that. Well, speaking of that, perhaps, let's uh, shift gears here. Uh, I'll let you tell me one way or another. Uh, you got an interesting story this week involving four-star linebacker Chris Cole, who ha- has seemingly been on Georgia's radar and perhaps still is, probably still is. And yet, in your story, we find out about upcoming visit to USC and then sort of a late, last-minute official visit to Tennessee uh, ahead of the the commitment announcement he has planned for early September in the ears and eyes of most Georgia fans that doesn't look or sound all that good is is Georgia in danger here of of, of losing Cole you know what is the information as of late you know kind of added on to the story that you wrote there about the uh, kind of last minute plan to go visit Tennessee for the four-star linebacker out of Virginia yeah I called it an 11th hour visit Brandon he's a special player um, not only does he have his academics in check, only made one, one B in his high school career, but this is a guy who went from 6'3", 185, to 6'4", 220 since last season, Brandon, and gotten faster and gotten more explosive. He's a guy that was fourth in the nation this year in the 60-meter high hurdles. Um, that's a great athletic resume. And then kind of been trending to Georgia for a while. I've talked to him a bunch of times, and he has nothing – Nothing but excellence to remark about Georgia. He has no flaws, no, no, no cons in the program. Would love to play with the two other linebackers. And he said Schumann, Glenn Schumann, to his credit, has kept him involved with everything. Like, Chris Cole knew that that communication was dead between Georgia and DeMarcus Riddick. He knew that flip was going to come. And he knew Justin Williams was likely going to join the class. And he knew Christopher Jones was going to join the class. And Schumann kept him informed at every turn. And he said, man... We still want you. This changes nothing. If you want to come here, we've got a spot for you. And Chris Cole has felt great about Georgia. But right now, Brennan, he says he's super undecided. He says he's got a lot to process. I think for him, I think Tennessee is a major factor. I think most Georgia fans and um, most might say that if, if a Georgia, typical Georgia fan looks at that and goes, well, don't like that because the decision's on September the 10th and he is in an official visit that weekend to Tennessee as well. That's very intriguing, even if they're playing Austin P, because that was also the last school he visited uh, in July before the dead period dropped again. And Interesting timeline for him with the Volunteers, because he was offered, and then in his own words, by his own admission, he felt like Tennessee kind of fell off, and they were, the recruiting lines were a little bit dead for them for a couple of, for maybe a month or so. And then Tennessee came back in, um, throwing haymakers in the recruitment. And this is one of those things where I think very simply – I think the Georgia brand and the lure of the development here will have to counteract some other modern-day factors in terms of what's going on. I think um, Tennessee doesn't have a player quite like Chris Cole. Georgia's probably got 
maybe three or four athletes in their linebacker room that are plus athletes, but not maybe not quite the guy like Chris Cole who can do a lot of things. Still has some safety roots to his game. Can come off the edge. Georgia sees him as a will. And uh, this is just a matter of what we see. We'll have to watch and see if, like, you know, what's happening today and NIL being used as an inducement. That's one of those things I think we'll have to track over the next month or so with where Chris Cole, the number 56 player in the country, ultimately winds up out of Virginia. So as you know, we do this show from the perspective of fans. I want to think I'm speaking on behalf of fans here right now. Obviously, Georgia fans who follow recruiting have a lot to be happy about. Georgia got the number one class and they're two-time national champions on the field. It's important to caveat all of this. But at the same time, you know, Jeff, it is a big recalibration of expectations based on what the chatter was a few months ago and it's greatest class of all time and Georgia's getting this one and that one and that one. And, you know, as of late, that's not quite what the news has been. You know, uh, I'm not saying Cole's a make-or-break player for anybody, but a guy that at one point in time, a lot of folks probably had penciled into their class. Now it's the late push for somebody else, and perhaps it's, you know, kind of, you know, led by NIL charge, and obviously that can change everything, much the same way it seemingly did for williams Winery at the beginning of the week and K.J. Bolden the other day. So I think you've got two things going on here where – hey, you know, some of the early hype for this Georgia class, while it's going to be very good and probably still the best class overall, some of that early hype is just not coming to pass, and Georgia fans are kind of making peace with that. But also this idea of any projection for any player going anywhere before the NIL stuff starts to happen, that feels like a little bit of a waste of time in the eyes of some fans here right now, and I'm going to give you a chance to respond on that. Yeah, that's a good point. I know – a lot of folks are looking at it in terms in terms of I'm going to wait until the final bids are in. I think what you got to do, Brandon, is you've got to prioritize a recruit where NIL is not a topic of consideration and it's not a major topic of concern. And what Georgia tries to do is they try to figure out, okay, well then that's not a recruitment we're going to get really um, spend a lot of time investing in, spend a lot of our time investing. Not so much as the NIL check there or the collective efforts there. I think that's a good way to do it, but I mean, Brandon, that's kind of just what it is. I know a lot of times the narratives pop up because Georgia has soared and skied over so many mountains on the recruiting trail of late, and we got to find what's the new valley, what's the new peak, what's the new height, what's the new Everest. And really, that there was a point where they were chasing the nation's number one class. And I tell you, it's not just it, – Brandon, it's not just nowadays um, before the NIL efforts come to bear – I think it's now you have a contrast of on one side, you've got so many guys trying to decide early and finishing your class early with all these late factors that can come in. And you don't see a lot of kids taking a lot of official visits. Fred and I gathered to say Georgia won't have more than four or five official visits left in this recruiting class where they'll host gentlemen that are prospective student athletes. I think so many things are changing and they're changing all at once. Um, where a lot of times I think Georgia fans – I don't want to use the word satisfy here, but I still think this class can reach with the right three or four names as, as a closing finish. They can become the greatest all-time class in Georgia history. And I believe that's more than enough instead of the greatest all-timers like Alabama and Texas A&M, which were like two and three and four years ago, but might as well have been 30 and 40 years ago in a lot of, a lot of ways you look at it. As much as things are changing, you got to kind of just look at what Georgia's doing and I will double down on this, what Georgia has done offensively in its class. Brandon, they could have the highest numbers in the world. They could have higher than Texas A&M, higher than Alabama. But if this recruiting class, forget the rankings, forget the numbers, if they didn't show Georgia had the potential to be an offensive juggernaut uh, as much as a defensive juggernaut in this class, that was going to be a miss in my book. And what they've done now with the two quarterbacks, what they've done now with the three running backs, what they've done now with the offensive linemen, the tight ends, They've got everything they need to be a heavyweight on the offensive side of the ball uh, to, to, to basically uh, match up with what they do defensively every second. Interesting stuff, Jeff. I'll also invite folks to check out a piece that you've written at dognation.com, kind of looking, speaking of the offensive side, the evolution of running back recruiting based on some of the stuff that Del McGee uh, has recently said, but also some of your own kind of information to kind of bolster the point that McGee was perhaps making. I think that's a story that everybody should read there at dognation.com. Jeff, I hope you enjoy a chance to see Dylan Riolda in person tonight. We will certainly be looking forward to reading more about that experience from you at dognation.com. And of course, talking to you back here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger again very soon, too. 
Hey, Brandon, have a great call tonight. And my prediction is you will say Jacoby White touchdown or Jacoby White interception about four times tonight. Boy, that's a big prediction, Jeff. Good stuff. We'll talk to you soon. See you, man. Have a good one. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So Jeff says an interesting thing there. He says, hey, if you're Georgia, you got to prioritize recruits that don't have NIL as a main factor in their decision. But hold the phone here for just for a second. That's a good way to be Georgia Tech. That's a good way to be Mississippi State. That's a good way to be some team you don't want to be. In other words, it's easy when the NIL stuff gets a little tricky in the 11th hour to be like, well, from now on, we got to prioritize guys that don't have that as a main factor. But guess what? A lot of very good players are going to have NIL as a consideration. Some of them won't say they will, but but there's a lot of things that go unsaid in recruiting that are none, no less true. So if you're George, and we talked about this a little earlier the, the, you know, in the week, that you almost have to think about this in sort of a salary cap style thing of is that you can't only have players who are non-NIL guys because that's not a recipe for a very athletic and, and, and potentially dominant roster. But if all you do is go after NIL guys, they're going to have a hard time, first of all, filling a full roster. And second of all, you're going to have some team chemistry issues because everybody's kind of counting everybody else's money. So the challenge of being a coach never gets easier. It seemingly gets harder. And this is the way it's kind of hard here right now that you know if you're Missouri you can throw eight you know gazillion dollars at Williams and Winery because you've got no one else to give that money to perhaps you know the uh the the obviously receiver on the other side there in the in the mix for it a little bit but ultimately I don't think he's going to Missouri anyway so you know Winery is is probably your one big recruit you have a chance to go get so why not throw every dollar you have as Jeff said Tennessee does not have good defensive players so therefore any dollar they can throw at a guy like that probably makes sense there as well georgia got a little bit different consideration here so you can't completely avoid and ignore nil and it probably doesn't make much sense for you to be the highest bidder in any kind of nil situation because all you're doing is setting the price for a more desperate team to come back and give even more so challenging situation there for uga and navigating all of that a big part of the job for kirby smart here right now something you can navigate by the way speaking of nautical terms here is a chance to be on board a royal caribbean cruise vacation as we head towards the fall great savings out there this time of year on royal caribbean cruise vacations and a lot to be excited about in 2024 debut of icon of the seas largest cruise ship in the world already a lot of excitement being generated about that utopia of the seas i love the fact that royal caribbean says hey port canaveral three and four night sailings we're going to put a major investment into that kind of thing here right now because port canaveral because of where it's located is the most convenient port for a lot of people including yours truly and those of us who live kind of here in this atlanta area of georgia and really most of georgia you know would look at port canaveral as sort of the easiest port to get to so have the big brand new utopia of the seas you know next july debuting there on those three and four night sailings that's just exciting thing and jessica slater can tell you about all of this including our upcoming dog nation cruise next april too. call her 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 or email her jay slater at dreamvacations.com that's jay slater at dreamvacations.com you can do all of that so we only have one more saturday this year without college football next saturday is week zero now it's not the most like you know i guess intense slate of action but it's not terrible either you got notre dame against navy that game's in ireland be your first chance to see sam hartman as a notre dame quarterback i don't think notre dame is going to be very good for the 80th year in a row they're going to probably be preseason overrated but i do think hartman can be pretty good and i think that hartman can be a little bit of a reminder of the kind of quarterback that could have perhaps transferred somewhere else you know for all the talk of the year of the transfer quarterback because there are more former transfers starting across the fbs level of football than than the non-transfers to us the bigger story are the quarterbacks that didn't transfer or at least quarterbacks who did not transfer to kind of national championship contending programs notre dame couldn't win a national championship if half the half the sport you know quit and decided to stay home notre dame still couldn't win a national championship so they're, they're not really a championship contending team hartman could have you know perhaps gone somewhere else but he didn't so when you watch sam hartman next week you'll watch a guy and say yeah, he's pretty good here he clearly wanted a better football opportunity than what wake forest provided him chose to go to notre dame historic you know heritage program but could this have been a signal caller that could have been kind of a kingmaker for one of these teams that had a real shot to compete for a championship we may get a glimpse of that next week vanderbilt hosts hawaii this was an embarrassing beatdown on the island 
uh, you know, last year for Vandy. Of course, we continue to send prayers out to those in Maui affected by those horrible fires uh, around uh, the Lahaina Village there in, in Maui. Terribly sad. But, you know, on the football part of this, now Hawaii comes to Nashville. Let me tell you something. The most embarrassing thing in the world, Vanderbilt started the stadium renovation, and they're still not done. I mean, what I'm led to believe is they are weeks, if not months, behind. So when they host Hawaii next week, I, some of y'all may know this better than I do. I think they got both end zones still torn up. I mean, they have the entire stadium in disarray. And y'all, I'm just going to tell you, I'm telling you now, and you can believe me later. These sort of like academic, you know, uh, prestigious academic schools, they think they can get away with anything because they think the SEC needs their academic prestige, which I guess for now, the presidents do kind of follow all of themselves to sort of be in the same room with these fancy Vanderbilt people. So thus far, the Vandy folks have proven to be right about that. But y'all watch the future here. In the future, college football, if we're not careful, is not, not going to be anywhere near as connected to school as it has been in the past. There's already a lot of chatter about that. The uh, very uh, astute August body known as the Knight Commission has come out and you know made some suggestions around that. Well, if that happens, <laughs> Vandy better get its stuff together. <laughs> if all of a sudden this isn't about how fancy your schools are anymore then vanny better get stuff together how are you going to play the season open with a stadium that's still not put back together again georgia had a, a tour yesterday of its stadium renovations because if you're serious about football you get the stadium renovations done in time for the season to start but vanderbilt's not serious about football they are happy to cash the check without contributing anything to the league and they think they can get away with it because they are prestigious academically well, one of these days, that may not quite matter as much as it used to. And Vandy, by that point in time, may be trying to figure out where it goes after that. One more week zero game to mention. Uh, USC takes on San Jose State. Uh, so the uh, reigning Heisman Trophy quarterback, uh, Caleb Williams, also plays week, week zero there as well. Speaking of quarterbacks, Auburn named its starting quarterback yesterday. It is Peyton Thorne. This is not, I guess, unsurprising. That's the Michigan State transfer. I am a believer that while it's oftentimes behooves coaches Kirby Smart's typically like this to kind of hold quarterback competitions that go as long as possible if you know who your quarterback is I think there's some value in naming him and apparently Hugh Freeze knows it's going to be Thorne so now by naming him you give the team a chance to rally around him or perhaps you validate what the players are seeing with their own eyes that Thorne's been the best guy in practice now I've heard that maybe neither guy Thorne or Robbie Ashford's been all that great necessarily but Thorne probably the better of the two options I still expect Ashford to play in fact if you want to look ahead to September 30th barring some sort of weird thing happening prior to you know between now and then or some sort of injury situation my guess is we'll see Thorne the most and we'll see Ashford some Ashford is a terrific athlete when Thorne was at Michigan State on a pretty good team there in 2021 he played good against the bad teams bad against the good teams I'll let you figure out for yourself what that might hold for him against Georgia so you know for someone like Freeze he may still have to play both guys but he does name Thorne as his starter that's some big news coming out of the SEC here for right now and when speaking to the media Hugh Freeze because he was Michael Ower from the blind side he was his high school coach there in Memphis uh freeze was kind of asked about the dust up this week involving Owen and the lawsuit and the Tui, the family there sandra bullock played um the character there in the movie he was asked about that and for the most part kind of sidestepped it a little bit saying that he doesn't know all the legal ramifications of being a conservatorship compared to a, a full-on adoption or whatever else but what he saw from his perspective was a family that that took in michael Owen and showed him a lot of love there has been a lot of uh i guess shared information from the Tui side here on this that kind of calls into question some of the stuff that Orr originally said you know I think a lot of people in the media sort of took the lawyer statement from Orr's side and ran with it to begin with oftentimes this happens you know lawyers are always treated as like credible sources because they're easy to get on the phone they give salacious comments but they have an obligation to sort of paint the picture in the most aggressive manner on the behalf of their clients and perhaps that's what's going on with Orr here or perhaps he's telling the truth. Maybe the Tui family's got more to explain. But some of the stuff coming out here right now, I think, puts the ball back if they want to do this in the court of public opinion prior to doing it in the court of law. Some of this, I think, puts the responsibility back on the Ower side to kind of clarify their uh, original statements here because some of the latest information uh, seems to, I guess, cast some doubt on that. So we'll follow all of that and we'll make that cruise and run the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, we'll get ready for a Kroger fresh take with our buddy Jake Fromm here as well. 
And here in our Kroger Fresh Take, time to talk to the former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm. Happy to have him here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger here today. Jake, thanks so much for your time, and I guess congratulations. Commanders get a 17-15 win against the uh, Cleveland Browns there last week. Uh, appreciate you being a part of the show, and congratulations on being a part of a preseason win there. Yeah, Brandon, thank you for having me. It's always fun to win a ball game, especially in this league, and uh, man, just excited to go to work uh, this week and move on to the next. So you completed five passes there in the win. I'll admit I haven't really gotten to see any of the highlights or anything like that. How did you feel like your performance kind of went there for that game in the Commanders for for, yeah, for man, the Commanders? It was uh, yeah, it was fun to to be out on the field again, uh, especially with the guys. Man, we've been working really hard, and um, man, it was just fun to to let a few loose and um, man, just get out there and, and play under the lights. I saw where you guys are, I guess, having what joint practices with the Ravens right now ahead of a uh, battle of the uh, Beltway sort of on, on Monday night there. And a little bit of pushing and shoving, maybe a little bit of guys having to be separated this week. It's that time of year, right? It gets hot out there at practice. We see this at the college level, of course, too. But at the NFL level, you get those joint practices. Sometimes those tempers get a little short out there, don't they? Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's tough, man. You know, uh, like you said, it's that time of year. Um, you know, guys are getting dialed in, getting riled up, and uh, man, sometimes competitive spirits get the best of uh, best of some guys. But um, man, it's just guys just want to compete and uh, try to do their best. One of the things that when you look at Georgia football here that I kind of found impressive here this week, ESPN has come out with its ranking of the top players in all of college football. They've got the hundred top players there, and coming in at number two on the list is a uh, Georgia tight end Brock Bowers. And to me, you know, Jake, this is just such an amazing thing to consider that Bowers, who's a tight end, you wouldn't think of necessarily a player like that possibly being the you know top-rated player, a guy that I would think legitimately maybe even has a chance to win the Heisman Trophy. Tight end's not always a position we think about that, uh, you know, being that kind of position, but obviously that's the kind of success Brock Bowers has had. What does it say about him that he could take a position like tight end, not typically thought to be among the very best players, and have a chance to be kind of recognized that way here this year for Georgia? Yeah, I mean, he's a dynamic football player, and he can take a, a position like tight end and, and really have a huge influence on the outcome of football games, and which is why he is well-respected, which is why he you know, has the accolades that he has, is because he can change the game from that position. Um, there's just very few guys that can really have that, that big of an outcome on the game like he does. Um, it's going to be really exciting to see you know, what he does this year, how he's able to influence the game, how they, they game plan with him, where they move him around, you know, how much he touch the ball. Um, it's going to be really some really fun stuff to watch because I think he's just, just tore up with a ton of ability. Um, and he's going to be able to impact games in a really big way. There's a little bit of a different storyline kind of playing out for Georgia right now than what we might typically be used to on paper right now. It seems like Georgia may have – the best crop of receivers to begin a season that that's possibly had and you and I've talked about that before how good this wide receiver situation looks like it could be for Georgia here this year conversely though you know Kendall Milton's dealing with an injury Branson Robinson dealing with an injury maybe Georgia right now feels like it's a little bit less proven overall at the running back spot my question for you is this how much can Georgia lean on the quality it thinks it has at wide receiver as a way of kind of bolstering the offense while it tries to figure out what it has in, at running back? Can the wide receivers be an aid to this running situation right now that's probably right now a little bit more of a work in progress? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think they will help uh, with the situation too, but I also think it really comes down to you know the offensive line play and how they play. You know, if they if they open up holes, I mean, there's 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 gaps that I can run through, and I can gain 15 yards. You know, like, you know, it, it, the way they're able to move people, uh, scheme people up, um, it's really going to make it easy for whoever's taking the ball there at running back. So I I think they'll be fine. Um, but um, you know, for receiver core, absolutely Brock for sure. Um, but I think it's really going to come down to how the offensive line plays. We've talked about this before when you stepped in as Georgia quarterback in 2017. That was one of the things that I think Kirby Smart probably put his stamp on this team with probably the quickest of anything is you saw major improvement along the offensive line your buddy Andrew Thomas also a fellow freshman there that year but also you know guys like Isaiah Wynn or uh, you know others when you're trying to get acclimated and George is obviously going to be welcoming in a new quarterback uh, here this year in some form or fashion but when you're trying to get acclimated the the quality of the offensive line in that respect I'm, I'm sure can really be kind of a quarterback's best friend oh huge for a quarterback you know to rely on those guys that um you know when you have the time to be able to throw the football you can lean on them a little bit in the run game to kind of help you out in some situations. Um, the play-action run game really opens things up. Um, man, and just honestly having their presence in the huddle, too. 
um, and be able to say, man, hey, let's go, let's go lean on these guys, let's go score on this drive, whatever it takes. Um, there's a lot of really great leaders that come from the offensive line room uh, in that position to be able to get things done. Uh, on Saturday or on Sunday. Speaking of that group, you know, you and I talked last week about the challenge of the scrimmage. It was going to be hot. The first one took place this past Saturday, and there's a certain kind of evaluation you sort of expect to hear after that. Probably some of what we thought we would get, you know, sounds like it was a pretty good day for the defense. Sounded like that offensive line had some, you know, tough battles there in the early going and perhaps became more successful as the uh, as the day went on there. Any kind of chatter you've heard about that scrimmage? Or it sort of feels like it's kind of very much in line with what we sort of expect back to hear about listen when you're in a Georgia offense trying to move the ball against this defense whatever year you're talking about that just ends up being a pretty tough thing to do yeah uh pretty much along those same lines I really hadn't heard much too much given the uh specifics of it um but just from my perspective of what Kirby kind of wants to see out of that scrimmage um it's just how they compete how they push through uh their toughness um and then be able to play in a in a bigger situation as in the normal practice. You know, getting in the stadium, few people in the stands, you know, how, how do they play with the lights on, so to speak? And um, that's kind of what he's trying to see throughout that scrimmage. And, um, man, really, guys, it's really pushing through because uh, those scrimmages are tough, man. They're hot. They're long. They just feel like they're never ending. Um, but um, that, that's kind of, from my perspective, what Kirby's wanting to see in those scrimmages. I want to ask you a question about Georgia's backup quarterbacks for a minute, or what we might perceive to be the backup quarterbacks right now if we assume that Carson Beck is in the lead to eventually become the starting quarterback. But if you're Brock Vandergriff or even Gunnar Stockton, you want to do something to change that, you know, what can be done here in the remainder of the month of August if there's a gap between, let's say, Vandergriff and, and Beck? What could Vandergriff do to maybe – change that to kind of close that gap and put him in a position where that Georgia's not only comfortable playing him if it had to but maybe they look for those opportunities early in the season to get him in the game how can you use that practice time effectively to make a competition here to become Georgia's starting quarterback even tighter than it might already be yeah uh man, that's, that's, that's really tough um I I think what you got to do is you got to just prove to them uh the coaches that you know the system that you're trustworthy um just go and execute uh, football plays, what, whatever the intent of the play is on each specific play, um, understand what that is, execute the play, um, be dialed in with accuracy. Uh, and then, two, man, I, you know, I think from a, from a guy like Brock and, and Gunner, too, you know, who are able to use their legs a little bit, I, I think they're going to have to get in a game situation um, and really just go out and play ball, use their legs, extend, extend plays, extend drives with their legs on third down, so to speak. Um, and they, it's just something, an opportunity they may not get um, until they're up big in a game, and, and Kirby wants to throw them out there um, to kind of execute late in the game. It's our Kroger Fresh Take with Georgia quarterback, uh, former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm, now Washington Commanders quarterback uh, Jake Fromm here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger here today. And don't forget, we've been telling you about this this month. One of the best things that Kroger does each and every month is Kroger Chef Jr., but this month it's even more special because Kroger is partnered with the Atlanta Braves. So this month they're making the chili slaw dogs, ch- children getting a chance to be a part of the food preparation process here, learning how to do that. And they get a great collection of gifts, including that Braves-branded apron, courtesy of our friends at Kroger. So go to the website, KrogerChefJr.com for more on this. That's KrogerChefJr.com. The word junior spelled out J-U-N-I-O-R. Just $7 per child. You get a chance to make the fun food item, the chili slaw dog here this month. Get a great collection of gifts, including the Braves branded apron here this month. So KrogerChefJr.com for a lot more on that. Jake, we'll finish with this here today. And I know you've been busy. Maybe you haven't had a chance to fully pay attention to this. But have you seen, obviously you're a great former Georgia high school quarterback, have you seen as our state kind of gets back to high school football this year how many great quarterbacks there are in Georgia right now? And that's even before Dylan Riola, the Georgia commit, moves in to now play for Buford. You've got obviously Julian Lewis there uh, at, at Carrollton. He's going to be one of the most talked about prospects in the entire country this year. you got a couple of major college prospects over there in Savannah. You've got a you know a guy that we'll be lucky to see, uh, Jeremy Eklinski for uh, Walton yeah, coming up on Saturday have, have you seen how many great quarterbacks the state of Georgia is now producing right now at the high school level yeah I got my guy AJ Hill Jr. that's right County High School um so man the uh state of Georgia is just littered with talent man um it's just really cool like e- even in my own personal life being able to talk in the locker room uh and just kind of kind of argue with guys about you know where the best high school football is played you know um, I, I mean, I, I love I love our state. Uh, I think we play some great high school football. 
uh, man, we compete, and we got some really great dudes coming out of the state. So um, I think it's something you can always keep your eye on. Um, and I just think over the years we've just been producing more and more talent, um, especially at the quarterback position. So it's going to be fun to fun to watch and uh, kind of be tuned in throughout the year of, of how these guys are doing and where they're going to end up. Well, we appreciate you sticking up for the state of Georgia in those locker room arguments. We know you do a, a really good <laughs> job with all of that. Jake, thanks for being here uh, on our Kroger Fresh Take here today. Best of luck to the Commanders getting back at it preseason action against the Baltimore Ravens here coming up. Enjoy that. Stay healthy and stay safe. We'll look forward to getting a chance to talk to you very soon. Awesome, Brandon. Thank you. Love having Jake Fromm on the show. You know, there's a brand new rule in the NFL, kind of a, I guess, a sort of a reincarnation of an old rule, you know, based on the injuries that took place in the NFC Championship game last year when Brock Purdy went down to kind of give that third quarterback a chance to be, you know, on teams, not active on game day necessarily, but a, but a guy that, you know, can be a part of the active 53-man roster. As you know, I believe, though, what the game day roster is, what, 45? Uh, but to have a third quarterback as a part of the uh, 53-man roster, and I believe that rule is going to end up working out well for Jake, who I do believe, and you know, obviously Jake's just out there trying to do the best he can, but as an observer of all this, uh, he's not going to be focused on this, but we might be more interested. I, I, I believe that rule may end up putting him on the active roster this year for the Washington Commanders, which is certainly good news. A couple of golden shoes to give out here. You know, yesterday Georgia showed off some of the improvements to Sanford Stadium here. Our friends over at 960 The Ref shared this. So if you look at the south side of the stadium, row 60 used to be the back wall. They've kind of added to that now. But instead of doing a row 61, it's going to be row 62 uh, there on the south side of the stadium in honor of the number worn by the great Charlie Trippi, obviously passed away at 100 years old uh, last year. So the stadium going to honor him now with a brand new 62nd row there, skipping row 61 to put row 62. That is a really cool thing. We'll give UGA a golden shoe for that. And then one more image I want to show here of those new stadium improvements. Uh, all of a sudden now you see the brand new 2022 SEC and National Championship uh, signage start to appear there. One of the cool things they've done in the stadium in the last few years just put more signage in those concourses there obviously celebrating being an sec champ being a national champ i know there's also some controversy this is not a small thing because of the fact that the bridge is now going to be available only for those ticketed patrons on game day at least the majority of the bridge only available for ticketed patrons there are a lot of georgia fans who are upset about this i believe that some of this may actually be more beneficial on game day than it's being given credit for being. I think people may enjoy the larger ticketed area as a way of moving around. But for people who obviously use that, you know, you park on North Campus, you tailgate on South Campus, or you do the opposite, some form of that. There's a lot of that that I don't think has been properly explained yet. And I think that Georgia would do right by itself to speak a little bit more clearly and plainly and openly about who this change is supposed to benefit because i think there's some confusion right now among georgia fans on that so i hope that the uh folks from uga will step up and kind of provide a little bit more information on that because right now georgia fans are kind of confused and they're a little bit bothered by a game day tradition that many of them enjoyed for many years using that bridge as a thoroughfare prior to entering the stadium that not being available here right now but nice to see some of the other improvements to sanford stadium which are obviously going to be universally well received uh and as we get ready to say goodbye to you today you know we started the show by making fun of florida we'll conclude the show by doing the same thing lousy stinking gators they got a bad day coming 71 days from right now that is our gatorator countdown we'll see all of you back here monday for dog nation daily presented by kroger we'll talk to you then everybody